This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. While negotiations between the U.S. and China went in, went on last week towards a new trade deal, President Trump said that on September 1st, his administration would impose 10 percent tariffs on another $300 billion of goods coming from the Asian nation. The president has stated that negotiations are going well. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal reports that President Trump overruled nearly his entire trade team by making the move. Trump has said that China has reneged on a promise made by Chinese President Xi at the G20 summit to buy more agricultural goods. So what will these latest tariffs mean for the trade talks as well as the impact long term on the U.S. economy? We are joined here in studio by Efrem Berkovich, who's director of computational dynamics for the Penn Wharton budget model. And we're joined on the phone by Marshall Meyer, professor emeritus of, uh, or I should say emeritus professor of management here at the Wharton School. And we're also joined by Mary Lovely, who is a professor in economics at Syracuse University's Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs, and also a senior your fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Affairs. Uh, Ephraim, nice to meet you. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Marshall, Mary, as always, great to talk to you. Good morning, Dan. Nice to be here. Thank you. Great, Thank to, you. great to have you both with us. So, uh, Marshall and Mary, Marshall, I'll start with you. These, This next round of tariffs due to hit on September the 1st, what impact do you think they'll have? I think they've already had a lot of impact. Uh, we've seen the Chinese reaction. Uh, the RMB dropping below seven is a psychological barrier, and I'm um, going above seven is a psychological barrier, and uh, people are wondering uh, whether uh, China will uh, repeat what it did uh, in ninety three ninety four uh, when it devalued the RMB sharply uh, to turn around a recession. Knock on effect, perhaps was the Asian financial crisis. So. Yeah, this is a big thing. Mary? Well, I agree with uh, Marshall that we're already seeing swift reaction, but I do think there's also a further, you know, uh, a push to come when and if the president actually levies these tariffs. Uh, it's been widely reported that these will fall much more heavily than previous rounds on consumer goods, clothes, you know, shoes, baby products. But because of the way our trade with China is structured, almost half of it will fall on computers and electronic devices. So we're going to see a big hit to uh, cell phones, uh, laptops, anything electronic, which is going to hit businesses and households and universities, uh, I think, quite hard, especially if the president persists and goes up to the 25 percent. Ephraim, you recently did an article that's right now on the Penn Wharton Budget Model website looking at the impact of tariffs long-term on the U.S. economy. Give us a little synopsis, if you could, of, of what we're looking at here. Sure. So this is an article that uh, I did joint with Jelly He, and we at the Penn Wharton Budget Model look at longer-term effects. So we're not doing quarterly, we're doing longer-term. So longer-term, there are two primary effects. So one is that uh, you're going to have a lower output in the U.S. economy. And to some extent, I think that's not surprising for people because you know, we think trade is economic activity. We're slowing that down. But the channel that we're particularly interested in is the financing of the U.S. debt. And for the recent, uh, you know, in recent times, uh, we've 
tended to think the debt doesn't matter too much because interest rates are so low. Going forward, this debt is going to crowd out investment in private capital. We're going to have less economic activity because all we're doing is financing the debt. So what does China do? What do these other places do? They actually finance our debt. So when we shut down the trade channel by which dollars are sent out abroad and then come back as uh, purchases of assets, we are actually forcing the debt in the U.S. to grow. We are forcing U.S. households to buy the debt, um, and that's going to uh, long-term drive the economy down. And, and f- in, as all of this is playing out, that's really, I think, part of the story that hasn't been touched on a lot is the impact of the debt going back into, into the trade. Exactly. Um, so the uh, we, we did a measurement of uh, how much debt is purchased by foreigners. And right now, it's that 40 cents out of every new dollar that's issued is purchased by foreigners. If you think about it, that's quite substantial. You're being subsidized to that level. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, you and I would have to buy it. And, you know, if you want to hold <laughs> bonds versus, uh, you know, Facebook stock, that you'll be forced to do it. Um, because someone has to hold it. The market has to clear. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's really the, the worry. Um, and the dollars that we send out come back to us that way. They have to. The, you know, it's, a, it's a full cycle. The Chinese aren't going to hoard their dollars. The dollars yeah. are useless by themselves. Mary? Well, I, I found Efren's article very interesting, but I did want to ask a question. He has um, the average tariff rate for 2018 going up, almost doubling. But what we do know is that the tariff on China in particular has gotten to be over 25 percent based on various rounds, including steel and aluminum and other solar. If you add all that up, you see that we're great. We're basically pushing China back toward uh, non-MFN, so pre-joining WTO rates. And I'm wondering if that the fact that our tariff on one country, China, which has been a big purchaser of U.S. assets, matters uh, as well as just that average rate? Uh, That's a great question. And it does matter. um, You know, in the real world, we know that supply chains have to readjust. I think we're seeing that right now where uh, China effectively, I think their story is coming out, is routing its goods through Vietnam, for instance. Um, so the it, it's not that the 25% um, is, is irrelevant. It's hugely relevant. Uh, for the purposes of the model, however, uh, we, we're li- really looking longer term. Mm-hmm. So uh, we think of the rest of the world sort of readjusting to these things. So a 25% uh, on China is significant. It will cause some major reallocations, um, you know, all sorts of adjustment costs that we don't necessarily account for. But uh, longer term, it's the total tariff rate, which is you know, why in this macro model we looked at average rates for you know, the entire world. Marshall? Um, I, I think what's important additionally um, is the diversion of supply chains. We're not selling soybeans to China as of this morning. Uh, Brazil's selling a lot of soybeans, but guess what? We may be selling soybeans to Brazil or to Canada if Canada is still exporting to China. Right. Um, our farmers are getting a lower price for it. The middlemen are extracting a tax uh, to, uh, as to get to work around the tariffs. The consequence is the entire economic system becomes less efficient. And I think that's the long-term cost to all of us. 
You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, Business Radio, power, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Uh, we're joined here in studio by Efren Berkovich of the Penn Wharton Budget Model and on the phone with uh, Mary Lovely of Syracuse University, Marshall Meyer from here at the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. In your article, Efren, you mentioned something that if you could explain it to listeners, you call it's called effective openness. Can you explain what exactly that is? Um, yes. So the the idea is that uh, when you have economies uh, and you think about capital flows between those economies, there is a friction uh, along those flows. Now, most people think of the U.S. as you know we're a um, you know, very financially sophisticated economy, what is, you know, what is the problem? If I am a German hedge fund, why can't I invest in the U.S.? You can. So th- th- from that perspective, perhaps we are extremely open. Mm-hmm. However, in actuality, there is uh, a home investment bias. So we, we, in this empirical measure, are looking at what is the actual amount of capital flow that is occurring. Uh, so there's a, a paper going back to 1980. Uh, this is the... Um, Feldstein-Horioka puzzle, people tend to invest locally. Um, so even though, in principle, I should diversify my portfolio across the entire world, in actuality, I'm going to send all my money to the U.S. and maybe a little right. bit. Uh, and, and that's true across the world. So uh, when we measure this um, and we look at it uh, really as, as a consequence of what would a f- entirely free-flowing economy look like, we get a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, that number prior to the trade war, um, was around, as I said, it, it was about 37%. Um, we've noticed in the article that there is a relationship between the average tariff rates and this level of openness. We don't know, we don't make any statements as to why it's there. We right. just say that there's this relationship. And we've noticed that as the tariff, the average tariff rate rises, the openness dr- it goes down. Right. Uh, and that means less capital flowing in, less purchases of uh, U.S. debt by foreigners. And that r- relates, Mary, to what you were talking about with uh, all of the different impacts going to be felt, especially when you're talking about companies like in the tech sector. I know Apple has been one of the companies that has been mentioned recently uh, in the last couple of days as really potentially feeling an impact from this this upcoming round of tariffs. Yeah, Apple, Micron, Intel. We've already seen Caterpillar and its earnings talking about uh, – both higher costs and lower sales in China. So, yeah, there's lots of companies. But, of course, you know, the president was warned about this. Um, it's not surprising that we have reports now that most of his cabinet opposed the uh, recent action to announce levies on this last round of tariffs, uh, of goods, which, of course, is huge. It's $300 billion worth of imports. Yep. But in terms of, of historically, Marshall, uh, I would think that we're entering an interesting time uh, of tariffs with this increase. From a historical perspective, what has been the the rate of tariff that has really been put in play in the in uh, going back to like the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies with with some of these trade issues? I don't have the numbers at my fingertips. Maybe Mary does. Maybe Ephraim does. But here's what I sense very, very strongly. Um, Behind the tariffs are politics. And the politics in the U.S. and the politics in China right now are on a bit of a collision course. And I think we've got to be very, very wary of this. Um, In the U.S., I think there's bipartisan consensus that, quote, we want to be tough on China. In China, 
Xi Jinping has effectively had his position bolstered by what appears to be peremptory U.S. action on tariffs. So we're cementing in power um, a president of China uh, who's already been declared the core leader. Um, at the same time, we're trying to find a better foothold, a better footing, both in Asia and in Europe, uh, maybe antagonizing some of our allies in the process of not only setting these tariffs, but repudiating some of our multilateral agreements. So the consequence is, I don't think we're ahead. And I think we've got to rethink this very, very carefully. Ephraim? Um, yeah, Mar Marshall's point about politics, I think, is very interesting. Um, in in uh, Just to relate it back to one thing that perhaps comes out of our model is in the model that we have, the uh, agents in the model are forward-looking, so they see this trade war coming. Yeah. Um, and in that situation, the natural thing for you to do if you think that the economy is going down the toilet is that you want to prepare. So kind of you know, like a squirrel before winter, um, we would expect— Hoarding the nuts. Hoarding the nuts, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we expect right now, actually, that um, there is—and and Marshall made another point before, which was a very good one, uh, about uh, you know, the huge cost of readjusting these supply chains. But that aside, uh, we, what we actually find in the model is that there's a small economic boost— that we would expect right now. And the longer you drag out the, the trade war, uh, the more nuts you start to hoard. So from a political perspective, this may be something that uh, is, is at play as well. Well, Mary, I think and we've talked about this in the past, that I think there's an expectation that, that this is going to continue uh, for, for a, a good period of time at this point. And the, I think the expectation has been whether or not the Chinese believe that, that they should let this play out through the 2020 election to see who actually is the president. But it makes you wonder whether or not President Trump sees a benefit in letting this play out for a little while and then having this miraculous cure to this sometime in, in before Election Day next year. Well, that's certainly possible. But I think we're seeing that President Trump's actions are cementing uh, firms' view that this is going to go on for a long time. Um, and consumers, certainly, if they haven't caught up to that, will when they face these new levies on clothes and shoes. So this is what's propelling, for example, the movement of supply chains away from China. We're seeing increasing investment in other countries and companies uh, moving activity that shows that they don't think this is going to be uh, short term. It hasn't been already. So they're taking action. That means, as Marshall said, that we're going to see permanently higher prices because the system as a whole will be less efficient. Uh, so a lot of people think, oh, it's OK. We can avoid these taxes on Chinese imports. We'll just buy it from someplace else. Right. But the fact is that that other place is a higher cost option, hence the reason why we weren't using it in the first place. And that becomes a permanent tax on U.S. firms and U.S. consumers, reducing the consumer's buying power and reducing American firms' competitiveness on the global market. Marshall? Well, uh, I, I, I agree totally. I, I think that uh, one question we have to ask, you know, in our role as scholars, is whether we're going back to um, uh, a more normal state of affairs. Um, we've enjoyed, or at least U.S. consumers have enjoyed, uh, an enormous China discount for the past 10 or 15 years, certainly since WTO. 
And uh, it may be that those salad days are over, uh, that um, uh, we're, we're, we, 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 we have to understand that you know, clothing, which used to be a huge part of people's budget, will be a larger part of people's budget, yeah. for example. And, um, uh, but that's an adjustment. Uh, it, it may be an adjustment also for U.S. workers, although I'd like to hear how uh, Ephraim thinks this is going to play out in the U.S. labor market. So the short term, as I said, I think is this uh, nut hoarding uh, that we're seeing. And uh, I, again, it's very difficult to apply uh, a model to the complexity of you know, the actual economy. So there's many other things going on right now. But uh, we we in the model do see a little bit of a boost. Longer term, uh, as the capital stock in the U.S. goes down because of this debt crowd out, because of lower foreign investment, um, you are going to see that uh, wages are going to drop. Um, and as you said, you know, with uh, lower purchasing power and lower wages, we're, we're not in a good place. Now, interestingly, uh, we have uh, a second uh, blog post, which I think um, either is coming out or just came out. Uh, we looked at uh, what the effect is on foreign capital ownership in the U.S. after uh, a trade war. So clearly, as you shut down the economy, foreign capital ownership goes down. Right. Uh, and I think we've seen plenty of stories of that, uh, you know, on the Wall Street Journal about lower Chinese investments. Yep. You know, uh, you know there, there's plenty of those. Real estate market being one of them. Exactly right. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is that when we come out, and I, I think at some point we should come out of this, and um, you know, whether it's in 10 years or, or five years, um, the interesting thing is because we are at, we will be at a lower level of capital stock when foreign capital actually starts flooding back in. We'll be in a situation where foreigners own a greater share of U.S. capital than they did prior to the trade war. And I think that's an effect um, which, although it's, it's not gigantic, but uh, in a, given the size of the U.S. Uh, economy, but we're, you know, in, in a large trade war, we're looking at perhaps a trillion dollar difference uh, in capital ownership. Mary? Well, I think that that speaks to a little bit Marshall's point about whether we're going back to the old ways. I think. Ephraim's saying we're not. We're going to be in a worse position because yeah. of this, and that's a permanent thing. I just wanted to add that, in, you know, the traditional or the old way was that we gave China most favored nation uh, tariff rates. Now we're up to over 25 percent tariffs on most China, on Chinese goods on average. So we're not moving back to the good old times. We're moving back to the new old, new bad times. So we have to. I don't think this is business as usual. I think this is an aberration. I think it's important also to remember that the rest of the world is not following us. So the rest of the world yeah. will continue to enjoy lower price inputs, lower price clothing. And our companies are going to have to compete with them. And, you know, basically that really ties one of their hands behind their back. So this is not moving back where it was before. It's great that we don't have to spend so much on clothes. Uh, I know as a mom, I have to buy my <laughs> kids uh, cell phones and laptops. So we got lots of other new things to use our money for. So I think that, that this is doing permanent damage to the U.S. economy. The other part to this, Ephraim, that, that will play out as we move forward is the fact that as we start to see these prices on various items increase, as Maria lays out, we're still in a situation here in the U.S. where wage growth is not exactly expanding as, as quickly as we would like. Uh, and, and people are, are still feeling an impact 
to a degree from the recession 10 years ago because of the fact that wages are not growing. So this is adding on another layer to the to the issues that we're already seeing right now. Yes, that's right. Um, however, I would I would say, you know, the economy is fairly complex. We are we were in a bit of a upswing in terms of that because the labor market is, is tight. Yep. Uh, and the question is, uh, and you know, this goes to uh, some of these uh, corporate issues that Marshall and Mary are raising, which is what are U.S. companies going to be able to do? Um, are they going to be able to maintain the profit margins, which they've had over the last decade or 15 years? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it the case that they're going to have to uh, start paying out more of what they have as wages? And how can they do that given their lower profitability um, you know, as, as as a result of the trade war. Uh, Marshall, go ahead. I think that uh, uh, we've, we're, we're on the horns of a terrific dilemma here because on the one hand, um, there is a feeling that unless the U.S. takes some action at this point, uh, uh, China will extend its economy through Belt and Road and other initiatives uh, throughout the Eurasian continent, to Latin America, to Africa, and so forth. So, but the, 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 the dilemma is how we respond. And the question I'm always wondering about is this. Why aren't we responding competitively rather than what appears to be defensively? In other words, China uh, announced, enunciated 2025 program. Uh, This set off a lot of global reaction, especially in Germany, by the way. Our response has been, let's shut them out, rather than what is our program, what is our vision of the future, what's the role of the U.S. economy in the global economy 10, 15, 20 years from now. I think until we have answers from this, we're stuck with tariffs or other defensive moves. And I hope that one or the other political party comes up with an answer. Mary? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Marshall. Uh, We just don't seem to have anything other than tariffs. Uh, This administration seems very much like a one-trick pony. And we're seeing that, you know, there's a a big downside to tariffs in the American economy, and they're not having the effect that we wanted. It's pain, no gain. Uh, For example, we went into this ostensibly to get some relief for American corporations in terms of intellectual property protection. China hasn't changed on that. What about disciplining their state-owned enterprises? We're zero on that one. So we're basically, you know, 0 for 2 on the two main issues we went into this for, and we're seeing all the damage that will be done to the U.S. economy. So I think that this, you know, it feels good to kind of give a little punch to someone who's irritating you, but, you know, (laughs) that short run, gee, that felt good. Uh, is is something that we're going to pay for for a long time. And, and Ephraim, this is obviously something, as they both said and you have said, uh, in terms of the the article that you wrote, this is long-term. We have to look at this long-term because of the impact that's going to be felt 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Yes. The, the economy right now is going to be smaller than the path we were on before. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think um, we want to be a little bit careful, and this is in regard to what Mary just said, which I absolutely agree with, is that uh, the main idea here was to stop some of the actions that the Chinese were doing, which were 
you know, creating competitive issues for the U.S. Uh, yep. and U.S. companies. The intellectual property theft is, is a big problem. U.S. companies invest an awful lot of money in R&D, and then for uh, China to basically take that for free is a subsidy that we were giving to them. And, uh, you know, I I don't think that's wrong. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Uh, How you implement a policy that stops that, I think, is the question. And clearly, this administration feels this is a way to attack that policy. Um, And I guess we'll see if it works. Uh, But I, I think it's an important issue for us to remember. This is not... Uh, that you know we're, we're doing these tariffs just for the sake of spite. Uh, there is you know there is some underlying problems that we need to address. Great having you all with us today. Ephraim, nice meeting you. Th- yes, thank you for coming thank in, you. Marshall, Mary. Thank you for your time on the phone today. Thank you, thank Dan. you. Thank you, Ephraim Berkovich from uh, here at the University of Pennsylvania and the Penn Wharton Budget Model. By the way, the article that uh, he wrote along with Jili uh, He uh, was published on July 24th. It is titled "The Trade War Trade Off." You can find it on the Penn Wharton Budget Model website. Also joining us, Marshall Meyer from here at the Wharton School, Mary Lovely at Syracuse University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.